Shut up and sit down. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. One I hope that'll be proved to be just as good as the recent series we've been talking with uh, the thought leaders of the industry, at least the people that we think are the thought leaders. You think at that point? Uh, we've got Eric Trexler and Lee Peel on here today, and so we gave Lee. We wanted Lee on. Eric was sort of an afterthought. I'll be on. <laughs> and Lee was given the choice of who do you want to come on with you, and she chose you, Eric. So she said, "Anyone but Eric," and I was like, "Yeah, I don't want Eric back." But this actually it fits rather well because you guys are very similar in the fact that you're not really out in front of the industry. You're not in front of a lot of clients. You're more in the, we've talked with Lee about this on episodes with you before about you, you like getting into the research. You like working quietly behind the scenes with other fitness professionals. And then Eric, you've been really busy with, uh, with Greg Knuckles at uh, Stronger by Science, your guys' podcast, uh, all the unbelievable uh, information you guys have been putting out. So I, we'll start where we usually do with what if, what's different for you guys? Obviously, we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic recording this. Uh, so what's changed and how are you guys managing it from your individual businesses? Lee, why don't you start? Oh, you're letting me go first. You're so sweet. Um, well, not a lot has changed for me, which I don't I don't know what that speaks to my lifestyle or my mental health um, or the way that I do things, but uh, not a lot has changed for me. I was doing this, my kind of stats before I started this so that I could speak somewhat truthfully and statistically, but I've only had about an 8% drop in clients during all of this online. And those drops, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say this for a fact because I can read my clients' minds, but they were kind of rounding the end of what it was we were supposed to do anyway. Um, there, there has not, there's only been one client in which that has had to cease like working with me due to financial you know, struggle or something due to COVID. Um, everything else has been, you know, I've increased in some clients, lost a few, but that it's been kind of normal. Uh, there's just been a slight downtick. So for the most part, I have not been very negatively impacted financially or business-wise during this period of time. And I, I hope that speaks to the model that I run behind the scenes and how I handle my clients and how I handle my retention and kind of what my thing is, which with my clients and the work that I do, it's very individualized. It's very um, personalized and very one-on-one based. And um, it's a scaling financial model, meaning that there's a lot of upfront pay kind of for the initial interaction. And then it decreases over time as, as it's mostly becomes accountability and updating. So it's not a very high cost model. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know. I think it speaks well to what I've been doing. So that, and then I've been doing, you know, just my general reading, writing, researching, and trying to stay out of uh, a lot of the uh, internet slinging that's been happening. I find that that's good for my productivity. Did you, did you been on any of the, the Joe Exotic stuff? Like I, I always insert that because I care deeply about that topic. But well, I, I, I don't know if you noticed, I referenced it in my most recent article on sedentary behavior. I, uh, I found a way to work Joe in. So what, like if you're sedentary, just do math and you'll lose weight. I think that it's a underutilized form of weight loss. Yeah. Um, you know, you lose weight and teeth. It just, it's a two for one. A tooth for one. <laughs> oh, but I'm, I'm. 
Eric smiled a little bit. <laughs> almost. <laughs> that like that was that was almost good, wasn't it? Well, Eric, I want to hear your thoughts. The same thing, but uh, let's actually after this come back to you know the the whole idea of building career uh, and the way that set yourself up so that way you'd be more robust and resilient to these kind of shocks in the future. But Eric, uh, what about you? Yeah, so much like Lee, um, I do some stuff on the content creation side and I do some stuff on the one-on-one coaching side. And when things started looking serious, you know, when I started realizing that things were getting pretty serious is a better way to put that. Um, I did kind of try to plan some trajectories, like what's worst case scenario in terms of my one-on-one coaching. And much like Lee, I've been really shocked that my one-on-one coaching has done a lot better throughout all this than I thought. Um, my coaching, I don't have a flexible pricing model like Lee's, like it doesn't fluctuate across the time span, but I I do have a very individualized approach to coaching, uh, very personalized and a lot of interaction. And so because of that, I keep my roster pretty small and the, the development of the relationship, I think between me and my clients, I, I think has been a big part of that retention. Um, I haven't been unaffected because, um, you know, one-on-one coaching tends to be kind of a higher price point as far as like online fitness stuff goes. And so, I mean, if someone loses 100% of their income, they're going to cut costs, right? So I I haven't been totally unaffected, but the only uh, clients that I, I have really lost in the process here are people who basically are like, you know, Eric, like I came to you with powerlifting goals and It's not as fun for me when I can't do this stuff in the gym. Like most of my clients, we've transitioned to at-home programs that have been very labor-intensive on my end, but I've been really, really happy with the results, Um, and my clients have as well. So that's been going well, but I did have one or two clients who dropped, and they're basically like, you know, I'm probably not going to be working out that much anyway. I lost 100% of my income due to layoffs. It just isn't the right thing for me right now. And it's, it was, you know, super understandable, um, left it, you know, obviously on extremely good terms, said doors wide open. If you ever want to come back, come on back. But I totally get it, you know, but I, I did expect uh, much worse in terms of the, the personal impact on one-on-one coaching. Content creation, things have ramped up um, because we we realized for our free content at, at Stronger by Science, the podcast and stuff like that, we realized a lot of people are at home and have more time to consume content. And we wanted to make sure people had stuff to consume. And so we really made a conscious effort to ramp up how frequently we put out stuff. Um, and we also made a conscious decision that uh, we wanted to make sure people could access our stuff and not have to think about COVID. Uh, And so we made a really conscious effort right when things, like I said, once we started to realize, okay, this is going to be serious. We basically said, this is the COVID episode. We're going to talk about immune function. We're going to talk about adapting your program to training at home. After this, when you listen to our podcast, you are not going to be aware that COVID is happening you can find that everywhere else on the planet. And like for the reason we made that decision was because for me personally, I stopped consuming all the stuff I used to consume because I was like, dude, 
I, this is not good for me mentally. Like I don't want to bathe in this all day. Like I want to be informed, but I don't want to be drowned in it. And so we, we tried to kind of adapt our content, um, our content strategy to, to reflect that. And so, yeah, one-on-one coaching has been fine. Um, I, I obviously, the biggest thing, um, it's always important to have empathy, but now more than ever. And so I, I'm, I have noticed that whenever I'm making content or even speaking about coaching, I realize that I'm very fortunate that I haven't really been directly like impacted big time, um, at least to this point. And so um, it's also tricky to even speak about that because you know that not everybody's in the same boat. So, um, you know, the, the tone I hope is not uh, misinterpreted where, you know, I'm saying like, you know, I haven't been impacted directly yet in a huge way. And I, it, I totally uh, acknowledge that that's a really fortunate position to be. And I acknowledge that a lot of people listening are not in that position. So, um, you know, part of what we've been doing on the content creation side is trying to make sure that the content reflects that level of empathy and that we realize that especially in the fitness industry right now, people are getting hit really, really hard. And, and to the best of our ability, we want to make sure that we are there for them. And that was the one weird, like we kind of talked about it before. I'm like, we should talk about the internet, blah, 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 because it's just draining me. So initially when we started putting these together, it was like, let's just give what we can because people are, are thinking about this thing. And as it's kind of progressed, I'm like, let's not do any more of this. Just from our personal side, just because it's, it's almost like people's viewpoints change after that initial burst came in. And then not that they want it to be normal, but it's kind of nice when there's more normal. And so I don't know what Andrew's thoughts are, but if we were to do it again, I think we would probably start out hot just because like, it's kind of nice to cover hot topics um, and then give what you can. But then after that, almost not bathe in it, especially something like as negative as this, you know what I mean? What we've done, and, and, I, and I doubt Eric and Lee, you guys have, have heard our recent episodes. We had Martin Rudy on here. We had Jordan Sasai, Mike Vacanti. We had uh, Chad Lavis, Mark Fisher, Luca Hosts of RP Dupuis, and a few others. And yeah, we, we definitely talked about where everybody was through all this, but the overwhelming, especially with Martin Rooney's energy, especially with Jordan Syed's ideas, the what can you do with your time right now to help you come out the other side of this stronger? Because you've got the argument, and of course, people have been arguing on the internet about, oh, now's not the time to tell people to, you know, to grind and to hustle and whatever. But it, that's, that's a spectrum. That's not a, a, a light switch that's on or off. Uh, but I certainly don't think it's helping anyone to, you know, put your head in the sand, try to ride this one out, watch as much, uh, you know, watch as many good and bad documentaries, I think they're mostly bad, on Netflix as you possibly can. Then as things start to open up again, then you stick your head up and go, okay, now what do I do? I mean, I, I just literally shared a status, it was an article I wrote in December that uh, was widely shared, and it's just content 101, uh, consume less, create more. And I think now is a really good time. How many coaches have said, oh, I don't have the time to work on the YouTube channel I, I want to work on. I don't have the time to start that podcast. I don't have the time to write or, or create my website. Right now, especially if your income has taken a big hit, uh, sitting there and, and crying about it, and forgive me for being insensitive because we're, we're not insensitive about this stuff, but sitting there and crying about it isn't going to help you on the other side of this. If you go and put a whole shit ton of effort and work into this, focus on your attitude uh, about what you can control, you're probably going to come out the other side, hitting the ground running, and you've got a chance to recover from this. Whereas a lot of the people who are, you know, 
struggling with this, I, I'm worried they're going to leave the industry. I'm worried that they're going to go, okay, you know, the income variability of our, our world is scary to them on a good day. This is a very bad day. And <laughs> we've had a lot of them in a row. And those people won't be able to handle this. So you've got a choice there. And it's it's classic Ryan Holiday, the obstacles, the way type stoicism. Um, well, and you can choose it. I was going to say, this actually leads into kind of what you were saying before all this is, is Eric was super insensitive and said none of it affects him. And same with Lee. Yeah. So like, it's just, you guys are just so good. But I think that there's there's something to be learned here because we have brought on people that we do feel are going to weather this storm. Uh, we assumed that before you guys came on, and I'm glad to hear that's the case. But maybe maybe let's talk about some of the things that you've done that have been evergreen that are reasons for your potential success through this. Not, not to say that it's always going to be like that, but I think that there is some hints of of success here that people can probably pick up on that they could maybe include the next time something like this kind of happens or as soon as they kind of listen to this. I want to actually expand on that just a touch too. How Why much are people like you guys and our other guests in the positions you're in where you've been unaffected? What were the behaviors yeah. you've been doing month in, month out for years that built you to this point and how can then people either get started on that process or continue further along? I'm I know that I can, and and the reason I'm, I'm I'm going to take a bit of a of a the lead and totally talk over Eric for a second here is because, um, one I think that Eric was very self aware and um and just socially consciously aware to to make sure to include that, yes, like not everyone is doing okay with this and we're we're not trying to be tone deaf. Um, it's kind of hard when you come on something like this and, you know, the aim is oh well how are you doing things are going well let's try to help people um learn from mistakes or from situations and grow from that uh and it's not to be like haha we're we're doing amazing you know sorry suckers for you suffering it's it's not that tone at all i would say even to to what you said andrew is that for me personally and this is a little bit literally personally for me personally i i've been in the industry for a long time and i've been through a few waves of things and i've been I've been in a very bad wave of things. I've been in a wave in which that due to infighting or connections or blacklisting or changes in uh, the way that things are done or popularity or, or people that you're friends with becoming all of a sudden the enemy or people that you network with all of a sudden just deciding they want to leave and all of those types of things kind of taking place. And I've seen the dark side of the industry firsthand and I've seen the lows of the, my business firsthand. I've ridden a high and then I've, I've sat and I've been lazy and complacent in lows. And I feel that, that my business has, has seen the kind of highs and lows of that. And I've also personally had my own just in life highs and lows. And I think that it's a really important note to make that for some people going through this in their business or in their personal life, or in what it is their experience, they've never experienced anything like this ever. They've never come close to experiencing anything like this. They've never experienced social shock like this. Um, they've never had to fear what the outcome of their business could be or if things are going to be okay. So I think that it's, it's great in theory to sit there and say, take this time and dig your heels in and do what you can. But there's people going through quite literally shock trauma, depression on levels that they've never 
come close to touching. And when that hits you, I, I feel like when fear hits you like that, and when the devastation of the unknown hits you, the devastation of the unknown has hit me. It's hit me for a long time. I kind of live in paranoia. <laughs> I kind of live in, in protecting myself from the worst case scenario. I kind of live with what happens if, if this goes wrong or if that goes wrong or if I don't cover this base and, um, you know, legal issues and I have lawyers, I have things like I have been in, in that kind of a place for a long time of fearing the worst case scenario and the bottom dropping out. So I've already gone through like those panic attacks <laughs> and like then some, a lot of people haven't. They're new. They're brand new for people. They're really experiencing for the first time and it can be absolutely paralyzing and time and realizing that it's going to be okay. And to me, one of the most important things that I always try to do is just always see options. And you, you read that in a lot of self-help things and you read that in a lot of psychology and research and studies, but the most important thing is not to catastrophize and to, and to always see options, to try the best you can every day to see a way, see an angle, see a spin, see how you can spin things, see how you can turn things around. It's easier said than done though. Because when it's, a, you know, it's in a dark place and it's in a dark time, it's easier said than done. But that is what I always try to do. I always try to see that. And I put my head down and I just try to do the work now. I didn't used to do that. I used to get caught up with things when I was younger. And I used to get caught up with internet arguments and things and read stuff. And that's an age thing or a time thing. I don't know. But now I put my head down and I do the work. And I kind of like how Eric said, they approached COVID, they, they talked about the immunity, they talked about things, and then they're like, well, now let's get to other things, let's, let's go through, and, and that's kind of what I've been doing as well. So basically, I've been hit with extreme dark times, I was already paranoid, <laughs> I already made sure I had my list, I already made sure I had a lot of things in place, made sure I was trying to do things right, and was already prepared for the bottom dropping out, worst case scenarios, laws being passed in which we can't do things online anymore the same way we thought we could, like everything, you know what I mean? Like I always try to prepare for that period. So when this, and, and of course, nurture my relationships with my clients because they're people, not money. So that combination of those things, I feel has put me in the place that I'm in. So, so in a way being massively paranoid and really caring about people has allowed me to be in a place um, where I think they am. But I, I just want to highlight the fact that if people are getting down on themselves because they're not hustling right now, it's okay if you're being hit in the face with like a brick of emotions that you're not used to having. And can I actually uh, comment on that really quickly? I don't want to uh, interject too much, but something kind of came to my mind that I think is really, really interesting. Lee, you and I know each other. Um, I'm sure you're aware I'm wired the same way, constantly paranoid, yeah. always worried. And so I think one thing that's interesting to comment on here is our, our response to the first question where we're both like, you know what, I'm doing pretty okay. I do wonder how much of that is because of our perspective. So like I know for me personally, I realized things were about to get bad mm -hmm. for the industry. And a literal scenario I ran through in my head was, have I made enough money in the first three months of the year that I will be okay with a $0 income in the last nine months of the year? So that's how bad my projections were getting at the lower band of that interval. Okay. And so I think for me, like, you know, I don't want it to seem as if I've been totally unimpacted, but what I'm, what I try to reflect when I talk about it is a sense of gratitude, I guess, that I ran through what this could have looked like and things are better than the worst case scenario. 
and the gratitude about like anyone who's willing to do anything right now in terms yeah. of hire me as their coach, retain me as their coach, subscribe to mass, uh, download the podcast for free. Anyone who's interacting with me right now in a professional setting, I've been really overcome with gratitude the last month or so that, that people are still, uh, maintaining that relationship. So, so I think that's one of the things to, to keep in mind is that like the perspective is a big deal there. But one additional thing I want to mention, um, you know, we talked previously about like what should people be doing and how should they be reacting in terms of their response to this stuff. And uh, before we recorded, you know, Dean mentioned, I almost never post on social media. Like I, I have no voice whatsoever. It's not intentional, but it's a reflection of my mindset. And I am on a scale of one to 10, I'm like a 14 out of 10 introvert. So that certainly plays a role. <laughs> but also, I just don't really feel like I'm in a position to tell anyone how to behave, act, react, speak. And that goes both ways. And so like, I don't feel comfortable telling a fitness professional, you need to be doing this and reacting this way. But I also don't feel comfortable telling a different fitness professional that they shouldn't be telling other fitness professionals that they should be trying to be pro proactive and productive and respond very stoically. So like, I just don't know that that's my place to tell anyone what they should be saying, thinking or doing, especially in these circumstances where like Lee said, I think a lot of people are fully just shell shocked right now. And that is understandable as hell <laughs> like i can't think of anything more understandable so so I, I think there's value in individually making that decision to try to shift the focus forward and say okay here's best case here's worst case what can i do to increase the likelihood of best case and reduce the likelihood of worst case i think it's hugely uh productive and i think mentally a really healthy place to get to but um, I think every person has to kind of get there on their own, if that makes sense. Well, and that's why, like kind of why we the narrated in the way we have and the people that we brought on, not necessarily to say you need to do this. We brought on a wide spectrum of people that have literally done things the opposite of both of you. And there's some people in the middle and then there's you guys have a very similar outlook on how you've done things. And I hope that someone listening is like, oh, I'm more like Eric. I'm not like Luca, who's going to go invest in all his online videos and just went ham like day one. So, I mean, like there, there's such a varying difference on that spectrum. And, and again, how have successful people on those thought, thought what do you call them, thought leaders? Would, how, how have thought leaders done it their way? And then let people choose whatever the fuck they want to do in terms of, hey, like I resonate with that message, not this one. Keep in mind too, you know, we haven't asked you guys to get up on the pulpit and, and tell anybody what they should do. Yeah. You guys have demonstrated a lot of success. And like I previously said, you know, this is a moment in time. It's a shitty moment in time, but we will have future moments. We'll have future shocks. Uh, you know, a lot of what Lee said goes into something I really enjoy. I've been recently reading a lot of uh, Nassim Taleb stuff, Anti-Fragile and Black Swan. And this very much is sort of a Black Swan thing that none of us could have really imagined. So there will be others. Uh, hopefully nothing ever this bad again. But given the reaction to it, you know, let's say H1N1 happens in five years, chances are society, the world, because of the media, because of social media, doesn't do H1N1 the way it was done, where nothing had changed. We may see a similar situation, which would be 
devastating to a lot of industry. Uh, we could see another, uh, you know, financial shock the way that, you know, uh, 2008, 2009 and, and the, the whole world financial system went haywire. You could see a war, right? And, and these are kicks and everything. But no, this is important because it's, it's that same kind of paranoia. So what can people do to, to the best of their ability, uh, build a livelihood and build in some, you know, some shock proofing? And, and sometimes it's not, hear this tactic, you know, go do an email list, okay, fine. I'm talking about philosophy. I'm talking about what is your philosophy towards your attitude and your action. And for me, you know, the first couple of weeks, this was awful. Uh, you know, I was watching, you know, Netflix or whatever old TV shows. But then I emerged out of it. And, and I noticed that when you don't put in work and you feel like you're not doing anything, you can descend down a negative uh, spiral or a downward spiral. But when I, uh, I, I picked up a PN uh, level one, I'm redoing it. They gifted to me to do it again. Uh, I've been reading a few books. I've been writing articles, working on some stuff. And when I put effort towards all those things, it feels like a really positive upward spiral and I feel good. And it's been night and day for my emotional well-being. And right now, guarding our emotional well-being is important. So while I actually 100% agree with you guys in that, you know, we can't just bully people to say, hey, you know, you have to be doing this, have to be doing this. From my personal experience, and again, I'm in a position like you guys where, yeah, this is knocked me down about 50% of my income, but 50% of my income is very livable. Uh, so I'm not, you know, massively stressed out. But like Eric said, I did not know what to walk into. So I'm in a better position than some. But I'm in a lot better position because I realized that by trying to do as much as I possibly could to better me for whatever comes next and to bulletproof me against future shocks, uh, I, I feel emotionally way better. Yeah, and Andrew, I, I, I think that's a great way to put it, um, where it's, you know, I, I, I hope it didn't seem as if I was accusing you of saying people have to, you know, you, if you're not being productive, you're a loser right now. Um, you know, you are bringing on these different perspectives. I, I think my, my, whenever I approach this topic, you know, my first thing is to say, however you feel right now is okay right now. But I, I agree with you that, you know, the important thing is shifting your focus toward what is going to get me from just getting by day to day to actually really um, recovering from this and, and really feeling like I'm set up in a spot where I, I'm in a good place. And I'm much like you, Andrew, in, in the sense that uh, when I'm unproductive, I'm very unhappy. You know, that, psychologically, it helps me to feel that I have, you know, I've got my hands on the situation and I'm controlling what I can control. And so for me, like I said, the, uh, the, the second this stuff kicked off, so with my one-on-one -on -one clients, it was immediately, we got a lot of programs to change in a big way right now. And so jumped out ahead of that, um, jumped out ahead of ramping up the podcast. Um, I do statistics for a few labs across the country as a researcher. And guess what? When labs all get shut down, turns out they have a bunch of analysis they need done because again, they want to feel productive. So they're like, well, we better write, you know, if we can't collect data. And so for me, what I found was all aspects of what I was doing professionally ramped up immediately. And at first, it was a little bit overwhelming because I felt like I was being pulled in a lot of different directions. But after I got over the initial sprint, I looked back and I was like, 
God, that was a lot better than having downtime. <laughs> so, so then I was like, okay, no more downtime. What can I work on next? And so that's been the approach I've been taking. So I definitely see eye to eye with you on that. Well, I just think you're a bully, basically. Yeah, you um, followed I think, everyone. I think, I think that yeah. you're terrible. I think you're basically telling everybody they suck and they're losers. And I just, I can't believe I'm even on this podcast. Um, but no. Uh, essentially, and what Eric's talking about, and, and I think what's so hard for people, I, I've been working for myself for a very long time. And one of the hardest things to, to grapple with when you do that is being proactive versus reactive. When you're in a school environment or a work environment or things like that, you're usually very reactive. You react to assignments, you react to jobs, you react to being told what to do. Um, a lot of people right now are not being told what to do. They're not having anybody tell them anything to do, you know, which is why to some degree to, to do the flip side of the coin, um, someone online being like, hey, you know what? Get off your butt. Go do something. Be, do this. Write something today. Read something today. You know, it, people like that can help, too, uh, because they provide a system or a structure put in place that says, no, go do something. Um, don't just sit there and, and binge watch Netflix. So structure and being proactive, it's a very hard thing to create in a vacuum on your own. It's very hard to, to see that kind of abstract picture and pull it all together and to create a schedule for yourself. And that is exactly if you're in a place in which that, that you know, you're not in a writing it out place um, and, and your goal, because I think we should all have goals. There was, an, there was kind of an argument about that, right? Um, I did see that one um, about whether or not, you know, we should be goal. And I absolutely believe in goal setting every single day. I believe in goal setting. Goal setting is medicine for me. I have to have goals. I have to set goals. And for me, it's part of my structure. It's part of my mental health. So goals and having structure and, and setting a to do every day, no matter what, and following that is really important. And I think trying to create that structure for yourself and making sure that you have that in, innate structure is really important. So my philosophy is literally every day I learn something, I do something, I write something, I read something, I go towards something, or else for me, essentially, it's just death and dying and I'm going into the entire other direction of like life. So um, that is part of my philosophy. I just never stop learning and never stop investigating. I think the most important thing during something like this, and you guys may agree, is what we're learning and what we're looking at and what we're taking in because it's so easy to be distracted by uh, all the things that, that it's, you know, oh, let me get into that rabbit hole and I can go down a rabbit hole. I can go down some really bad rabbit holes and I just have to pull myself out and be like, you know, what's the rabbit hole that's going to bring me out on the other side, a more successful and mm -hmm. intelligent individual versus a rabbit hole that's really just glorified entertainment and that's not going to achieve anything as a success for me. So structure and, and trying to do those things and being a proactive person instead of a reactive person is my philosophy and, and how I think is a part of I got through this, not just having my own email list or depending on... Um, my kind of business and marketing tactics, but, but really just always wanting to be better and trying to focus on the right things. I think that's a universal philosophy that, you know, I don't think that is anything new to you. I think that's probably permeated the vast majority of your career. And I think it's underpinning why you are where you are. And that's what I'm getting at. So, um, we're roughly kind of, what was the first major like worldwide shock? That you went through in your career. I want to use that as an example. Forgive me for dating you a little bit. If no, no. Um, 
here's the thing. I do believe, I'm not saying it's going to happen to everyone. And I, I think we all stumble or idiots more so than others, of course. But at some point, you will be criticized. And it's really hard. It's, a, it's really hard when it happens, especially if they're right. And I don't know how, how there's a lot of, I have a lot of friends who, um, in the industry and colleagues that put themselves out there and that make opinions that, that go online and they say something, they put up a post, they, they make a comment. Um, they think they're doing the right thing or they think that they're on the right side of things. It's, it's n nothing about it is, um, this is excluding anyone who's like just a, a right now charlatan or snake oil salesman. We're talking about people that genuinely just are, ex are inspired. They want to help. They're enthusiastic. They got gumption. You know, they, they want to be a voice. They want to be a thought leader. And at some point in being a thought leader, you will be caught in something. You just will. You'll either be wrong about something, the, you, you will not have slowed down and taken the time to interpret research in the right way. You'll ally yourself with the wrong people, not meaning to just by happenstance. Criticism is going to come your way at some point. So for me, one of the hardest things to do is I've been in this for a really long time. And it's really hard when you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to be someone that goes online be it in research or be it in my content creation or be it in a Facebook post that I make, I'm going to say something. I'm just going to say something and I'm going to be someone that says, I'm someone saying something. I'm not just going to post a cat video today. And when you do that, you put yourself open for, um, for criticism and for being wrong and for being a ebb and flow, just human being that grows and changes and you're kind of committing to do so in front of the public audience um, because you're choosing to be that kind of a person you're choosing to say no I'm a part of the world I'm creating in the world I'm going to mess up in the world I'm going to create in the world I'm going to grow in the world and it's really hard to do that and it's hard to consistently do that and it's hard to get back from that when it maybe hasn't gone so well so I think it, you know, this is completely outside of what we're really talking about with like COVID and, and things like that. But to put yourself out there and to be, because it's one thing to have your business collapse because everyone else's business is collapsing. It's one thing to have everything go wrong because everybody else's stuff is going wrong. Not that that's not okay and I'm not minimizing, et cetera. But it's another when you just are having a bad month, week, year and it's tiring and you're worn and you're doing it all on your own and you're creating and you're an entrepreneur and it's coming at you and there's there's just all the things it's hard to keep going and what i think we all have in common is that we're all kind of creating our our own path here in life we're, we're all deciding that we're going to be part of our own creation of our legacy we're not just going to be you know, cogs, if you will. Uh, and, and when you do that, it's scary. And it's, it's part of where the panic and the anxiety comes from that we're prepared for in, this, in a certain kind of a sense is that you just are always analyzing everything and what you're doing and the quality of your work and the quality of the things you're saying. And I do think that it makes you a, a better person. I do think that it makes you a more tactful, thoughtful person if you embrace it. Um, I, I do also think it can make you a plugged ears person if you don't, but, but I embrace it and, and I embrace what it does, but it, it weathers you, it breaks you down, but it, like muscle, 
which is apropos for this conversation. It builds you up and, and, it, and you know, well, there you go, flex it. And, and I think in the end, I think in the end, it's, I'm, I'm better for it, even though it's Let's, been a, a painful and, and um, you know, traumatic experience. Well, the, I think it is important though. So like, if, if you think about like, if we scale back to like, what people are saying and I, I don't know where the fuck I seen this but it's like you need to grind you need to put stuff out there and so people are feeling overwhelmed because they have they feel like they have to go right and they have to go put content out there at a higher pace than maybe they felt that pressure before mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I even had someone message me today it's like do you it was actually really specific and it's funny he's like do you have imposter syndrome because we're talking about a podcast and putting stuff out there and I'm like yeah all the time but I, I think that people are feeling the crunch right now. And so maybe yeah. let's, let's go there in terms of advice. And maybe we can start with Eric. Cause I, I saw him wording stuff, but he had some thoughts on it, but like, how do you get around that? Just period. Because like, it, I kind of know where Eric might go with this, but like Eric releases a thing on metabolic adaptation and you're putting that out in the world and people could criticize that. And I think a lot of people don't even want to put something out that's half the effort of that because they're so worried about the the backlash that might come out. So maybe let's just go there because I think people are still feeling the crunch to do that thing now worse. Yeah. So, so the question being, how do you get over that imposter syndrome when it comes to your content creation? And just put it out. Like, how do you go yeah. about putting it out there and just knowing that people might want to put it out there more now because they are at home and they feel like they need to, and, and they're still not doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky because there's always that balance between your raw level of productivity and your confidence with each statement you've made, you know? So for example, with an article like, like that metabolic adaptation article, I mean, that, that was a book. It should have been a book, you know? I mean, it was, God, I forget how long, but it's long. And I think with something like that, you know, there's always that balance between I could put out a lot of stuff quickly, or I could put out something that whatever criticism comes at me, I'll say, nope, I stand by every word in that because I know I put in the due diligence and and I checked everything. And the biggest thing that changed my content creation, honestly, has been working with Greg Knuckles at Stronger by Science. Um, Because before I had to, you know, send him my articles before they went up, I realized there were a lot of statements that would just kind of fill space in my writing that I didn't fully mean 100% in all contexts. And the great thing about Greg as an editor is he will find that one statement that is clearly not the point of the paragraph. And it's just kind of something that's there. And he'll be like, you sure that, that you can defend that in all contexts the way it's currently written? And so after going through that process a few times, um, it's really made me think about, you know, am I ready to let this thing go? But, but I think the most important thing you can do is focus on having a really good editing and revision process, even if it's just you editing and reviewing your own work. Um, And at a certain point, you have to have your content to a a place where you say, I feel really good about this and I'm ready to put it out. And the one thing that I always tell people when it comes to creating content and making that decision to put it out, um, first of all, you should, you know, feel really good about it. Of course, when I say you'll stand by it and defend it, that's only if you're right. <laughs> it's okay. Like if somebody says, Hey, you're wrong about that. You shouldn't defend it anyway. You should be like, Oh yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't considered. Um, but the thing I always tell people when they get this nervousness about it is like, if you don't want to be criticized for it, keep it to yourself. You know, we're in the publishing game now 
And so if you keep it as a Word document on your desktop, that's fine. And no one will criticize it. And they never will. But that's kind of part of, that's the cost of admission for this game, is that when you put something out, someone's likely to criticize it. The most important thing is, in your editing and revision process, have you thought through what some of the most common criticisms might be? And is your work really robust and resilient in the face of those criticisms? Of course, like Lee said, every now and then you might find, oh, I totally overlooked part of that study. You can really bog yourself down with worrying about every possible scenario for a piece of content. But, you know, it kind of softens the blow when you look at it that way. Like, if I don't want to be criticized, I'll keep it to myself. But once you publish it, that's that's just part of the game. And I think it's 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 kind of good that you point out that I don't know where you're going to go with this, Lee. But in terms of like, you got to do the work. And I know like people like if you don't go through a process of going through that questioning yourself or like, am I wrong here? Then a lot of it just becomes observational, and you don't even know you're being that person without having these arguments. And so I don't know. I would just rather I don't know if I call it ethical or whatever. But if you do the work and do the research. I think you'll feel more confident. So a lot of these people that don't feel confident, I, I just don't think are doing the things that they need to do to feel confident about that. You well, and I mean? that, that's a really good example. I, I just kind of thought of this as you were saying it, but I, I recently wrote an article about antioxidants. And that's not an area where I did most of my research as a doctoral student. And that article took me way longer than it needed to. Because I wrote the introduction and I said, I don't think I have sufficient depth to really make uh, of these topics to really pretend that this is a good comprehensive summary. So I read more research and then I tried the intro again and I said, I still don't think I have enough depth to feel confident that this, all of these statements can stand up to criticism. I went through a lot of original research regarding antioxidants and it was to make sure I wasn't doing the same thing I see in other antioxidant articles. And that is, what, what is the real distinction between oxidative stress and inflammation? Most people kind of gloss over and say, ah, it's all the bad stuff that happens. Mm -hmm. And if you eat fruit, you don't get it. But like, are you willing to really suss out those details? And if you're not prepared to do that, you probably shouldn't be putting out the antioxidant article. It doesn't mean you can't make the content. It means you have to do the work, like you said. Lee, I know you, I know you write and like, you kind of research and stuff like. <laughs> yeah. And stuff sometimes. Um, yeah, no, but, uh, I think, I think it's exactly what, if I'm in a topic like for, for example, I wrote recently on PCOS and the metabolic rate, uh, and alterations in PCOS and one, uh, a lot of the collective figures that go around, there's, there's a study and I'm, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but there's, there's a study that's frequently cited on the topic of PCOS, in which that I've found there to be some problems with um, inconsistencies in, in just the work in general of the, the readings, the BMR readings, and the things that kind of the trend of how it works in comparison with other ones. And I've, I found that because to me, I'm, I'm writing about a topic and, and it's a topic that I've written on before, but, but probably a little too glossed over. And I'm for me, it's not only going into the study, but it's what is the machine used in that study? How do they calibrate that machine? How is that machine compared to another? And you might think, oh, Jesus, like, you know what? I'm just not going to write the article. Then just forget it. Like, right. And that is what can happen. And there's nothing wrong if that happens, because 
the other side of the coin is your content doesn't have to be that content. And that's the thing. There's some content that I write or create or that I give for people that is, if you will, very free of, it's very free of absolutisms. It's opinion-based content or it's, it's a general knowledge-based content. It's, it's casual content that you can kind of say, anecdotal experiences, things that I've gone through, things that I've, I've experienced with my clients, stuff like that. Cues, ways that you know how to say something that maybe somebody else doesn't know how to say. It's very individualized to you or something that you can bring to the table in which that you do not have to have 25 hours of reading on one topic of you know 10 different studies and then the studies that that links to and then the studies that that links to and so on and so forth you don't have to go there in order to put on an instagram post and that's okay not everybody has to do that you know i want to do that because i like to get obsessed with things and i like going down like spaces and i like furthering my knowledge of stuff because when i have a client say to me x y and z i can be like well you know I understand that you're saying that your PCOS is contributing to this, but when we look at the research, we're seeing this, and I think that there's actually a hole here and something worth discussing and looking at. That's me. That's what I want to do. And and I'm not even in the academic field publishing papers. I'm just weird, you know? So um, I think when people talk about getting hindered and imposter syndrome, I think most of the time, and I can even say this for myself as well, it's when you go outside of the league that you're in and where it is that you, your scope, where you belong. And that's when it's like, oh, you know, when I step into a field, I don't belong. And there's minds for a reason. And if you can just kind of keep that perspective, you can create content by reporting on other people's content. You can create content by just, you know, putting together very rational, um, common sense things that other people may not have thought about. There's so many ways to go. So I think that a lot of that is being hindered by looking at someone like Eric and Greg and what they do and being like, yeah, I have to be Eric Trexler, which he is damn brilliant. And I it's would very, caution against that. It's time. true. It's very you intimidating. You don't want to be Eric Trexler. Very intimidating. No, I caution brightest. about being me, not wanting to be. <laughs> we're, all, yeah. we're all agreeing with you, Eric. We don't, I don't want to be <laughs> No one yeah. wants to be me. Um, but but yeah, it's it's just it's knowing where you want to play and where you can give, you know, what what it is that you really bring to the situation and and how it is that you help people the best. I think that's that is what's part of hindering people putting out content the most, in my opinion, is not knowing how hard you want to work or because it, it is, you do have to read 20 things to write a sentence. It is one of those kinds of things. And well, that's that, just the way it is. Well, but yeah, sorry. You know, yeah, no, it's fine, but it doesn't. Uh, yeah. That's not all content. Well, that's why it was good that you kind of broke them up because I think like a lot of people, like you, you broke it up by opinion based, and then we'll just use evidence based, like whatever you want to call that yeah. informed writing. Um, I think a lot of people get worried about their opinions, which I think rightfully so. I think that that is probably more criticized if you didn't do the work or whatever because it, it is an opinion. Is there anything? And I'm I'm looking at this because you both write evidence based stuff. Is there an amount of time or amount like because there's short there's medium and there's long form. We'll use Eric's long form novel. And then there's like medium form, like 2000. And there's like a Facebook post. Is there an amount of, I guess, research that you think is kind of the bare minimum to reduce stuff? Because I think a lot of people, myself included, when you put something in medium and short form, it's very hard to cover all your bases. It's impossible possibly feel comfortable trying to cover all the context. Do you have any advice for people that are trying to put stuff like that out? And maybe we start with Eric, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, short form. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that, that's a good point. Um, 
you know, in, in terms of how much research has to go in it before you put it out, I mean, it goes back to like what I said with, uh, I'll write a really long article about nitric oxide, but that stuff is burned into my soul. It was the topic of my dissertation. So I can write that stuff quickly because I feel ready to defend the concepts without doing a lot of additional reading. But like the antioxidant stuff didn't go nearly as deep as my nitric oxide stuff, but a lot more research went into it for me to have that confidence that this piece of writing was really robust to to whatever might be coming my way in terms of criticism. But uh, on the topic of shorter form content, it's sometimes you have to make that uh, make that concession and say like, this is short form content. It's not going to have all the nuance. And what's really funny is most of our articles for Stronger by Science are like, I don't know, 6,000 words plus. I mean, they tend to be long. And so we, we try to put things on Instagram too. And what I've noticed is sometimes people hold us, hold our Instagram content to our 8,000 word article standards. <laughs> and so I have had it, uh, situations where I put something uh, together for the Stronger by Science account and somebody says, you failed to mention these different uh, caveats regarding the methods in your caption. And it's like, yeah, I mean, the caption's limited in, you know, how much text you can put in there. But it doesn't mean you can't make the content. It, it means when that comment comes, did you think about it when you, like, is somebody blindsiding you with that detail and that's why it's not there? Or is it not there because because it's short form content. So when someone makes that content, do you have to say, oh God, I got to revise the entire conclusion? Or do you say, yeah, I didn't mention that, but it factored into the content. I was aware of it. I think it's really important for anyone who is thinking about starting to write and who isn't of the, the academic background that you guys are in. A lot of this stuff, we're talking about the kind of stuff that you guys or Mike T. Nelson or Travis Pollan would write. We're not talking about uh, you know, recently we had Jordan Syed on here and Jordan talks a lot about editing his articles. And Jordan is a good example of someone who writes very accessible to the end user who wants to learn how to calculate macros or uh, just some other really straightforward stuff. You don't have to write things, and, and Lee said this, I'm just paraphrasing it, that are going to you know, meet that kind of academic rigor uh, to be in the space that you guys are in, right? A lot of the stuff that's being written out there is nowhere near that space. So don't let that deter you either. But I think it's really worthwhile to go and if you really want to learn more in-depth stuff, there this is where they should be reading your guys' work and some of the other, you know, high-level research. Uh, James Krieger is another really good example of someone who just functions on this space. Go read your guys' stuff, but don't hold yourself to the same standard or try to replicate what you guys are doing either. Well, the reason why I brought that up, though, is because, like, we, we can talk about internet arguments all the time, but there's, like, there's people who will write something fairly simple, and they are blindsided. Like, you look at all the forum videos all the fucking time and, and a write-up about it. They're like, yeah, like, A, that squat sucks, and B, did you think about these things? And, like, that deters people from putting stuff out there. So it's like, what's the line of how much do you have to practice to be refine that skill and put it out there? Or do you just kind of say, fuck it, I'm just gonna learn through this. And I think that it might just overarching theme is like, just be ready for the for the incoming, I don't wanna say hate, that's such a bad word, but it's just, I don't want people to be deterred from doing it, but at the same time, it's totally possible that someone could call you out. Yeah, I mean, what, what I do with my work is, is I literally attack myself from all sides. 
and I ask every question I can possibly think of asking. How did you come to that conclusion? Well, you know, where do we derive that from? Or what is that? And, and again, that's if you want to go down that avenue of things. But I try to come at every single angle of and variable of how something comes about, how we achieve something coming about, how that was tested from coming about. And it, it is neurotic. I just want to make that very clear. But it's also science. And and that's that's kind of the point. And the point isn't even necess- it's not even to be right. That's that's also not the point, but that's a different argument. It's just it's just to relay um, or, or to come to more conclusions. But what I would say, you know, somewhat to your point as well, especially when you're talking about form and things like that, there's there's a lot of arguments to be made about you know what form should even be had and if there is even proper form and there, there's so many places in that and. One, you can just be talking about cues, comfortability, how I feel. You know, I feel like this when I do this. And I feel a lot of I statements and I feel statements are are very good if you don't understand where you're going from that. And then there's also, let's say you read Eric and and Greg's article on something. One of your content creation ways is you're essentially a, a news person for your feed. And you say, hey, you know, I read this thing. I'm going to summarize what I read in my own words and how I kind of came about like what this content meant to me. And this is how this content is going to apply to my life. And this is how this content could apply to like your life or what have you. I'm going to take this into account. That's content. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's essentially what most news organizations do every single day. They, some expert has said something. Um, they then turn it around and regurgitate it into their own words and, and, and how it relays to their listening audience that's content. And you are not even saying that you're the expert. You're not even saying that, that you're the one that forms, you know, all these hours, you basically can just rob Eric of all his work and all the effort that he, cause it's happened to him, you know, and, and, and you can simply say, here's what I, here's what's been found out. Now go do and, or, or good luck or whatever. Yeah, this is my thing. So I think essentially it's just understanding how much work you want to do and where your voice is and be it short or long, just knowing where you don't want to work or how you don't want to kind of participate and then just not going past that line. What? And if you do that and you stay consistent in that, I think that, that you'll have a really good man- brand and message too. Well, I'm glad you put highlighted that too, because it's not, <laughs> Andrew brought it up, but like, you don't want to scare people from not doing stuff. But like, I think that yeah. you get good tips on like, you can still narrate things. You can still say, oh, I will do all those things, which I think is the practice to possibly get to these things where you want to be without having to worry about the, the fallout of it. Because I think that that's kind of where I think people get paralyzed by not doing, and they don't do anything, which is the exact opposite of what we're trying to get across. Let's, let's actually ask you guys, because we've alluded to this, the ultimate short form content that opens people up to aggressive criticism, and that's arguing on social media, which you guys don't uh, tend to habitually do, but we've got people in our industry. We, we love sort of having fun with this sort of thing, and even I recently will wander in and, and dabble a little bit. We talked with Mike Isertel, and he's clever in how he does it, and he says it, it's something that keeps him a little sharp, but uh, you know, you guys clearly avoid it. So. Why do you do that? And, and what's your sort of philosophy around navigating that world? I mean, I can start. Um, I don't do it because it's just not me. Um, you know, like uh, Lee, by the way, for a conversation like this, Lee is so much better than me. All of her advice throughout this conversation is so much better. But like for me, I'm just doing the things I like to do and like not it's not like a conscious decision, like, Oh, I'd love to dive in there, but I shouldn't. I know for like, um, 
it, it's kind of like Lee said, like, I loved how she put with the content staying in your lane. Like, it, it, it's kind of the same thing for me in social media where like, I will see a million lanes opening up here. And I'm like, wow, I don't belong in any of those. And it's totally fine with me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very introverted. I uh, generally hope people are doing well. <laughs> like, I, I don't like have this urge to go dunk on people on the internet. I hope everybody's staying safe out there and having fun with their conversations. I don't think they are. Uh, based on what I'm reading, I don't see anyone getting anything good from a lot of these arguments, but that's okay. But I think for me, the real reason I don't dive in is because uh, it's none of my business in almost all cases. I'm very introverted. I don't see a lot of upside of me like going in and trying to convince people of ideas that they absolutely are not open to. To me, it just looks like a lose-lose. And the thing I find really unfortunate is I see a lot of people who dive into these arguments and it brings them nothing but just this like visceral negativity. And I, I've yet to see like a thread develop in a really constructive, positive way. <laughs> it's it's just a lot of anger. Yeah, go ahead. There was one actually recently at, at Lee. Yeah. I, I had you in it. In yes, you did. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. It was a discussion about um, our friend uh, Kevin Mullins had tagged uh, myself and a, and a number of other people in this. Hey, these are the people that you know you should be following. Love and and unfortunately. It, only Savon Fagan out of 12 names was female. And so another person came in, it wasn't accusatory or an attack, but it was a discussion point about how she pointed this out, you know, that it was devoid of women. And then it wandered into this really long and incredibly thoughtful discussion. Tony Gentlecourt just dropped a comment at the end, Mike Isertel got in there uh, and I participated a little bit and there's a whole bunch of other industry names. And it was just a little bit of a back and forth about kind of the whys and, and the nature of how uh, women are interested in, in different things, but at the same time, fundamentally, the industry does have some of these problems in it. So it's actually the rare exception, but at every point, everything was really thoughtful, really respectful, and it seemed like everybody took something out of it. But again, you're right. Those things are actually that, quite different. I mean, that's awesome. And a, a really key distinction here is... You'll see on social media, if you scroll down your Facebook feed, you'll see some people who are really actively engaging in a variety of, of these different conversations. Some are constructive, some are not. Um, but you'll also see the people who post and like the whole point of their post is everybody needs to shut the hell up. No one should be <laughs> posting. Like, so they're posting about how no one should be posting. And I don't do that either. So if people <laughs> want to engage in these conversations, I think it's good that they have an outlet to pursue that. Uh, I understand that some people are making really important statements uh, in these conversations. So I'm not saying that no one should be engaging. I'm saying I'm going to stay in my lane. Uh, it's just not something that interests me and brings me positivity and brings me joy. And so I hope people are getting exactly what they want out of it, but it's just not for me. You should do what I do. I, I call it post and ghost, but it's like, it's like a combination of GIF, GIFs, I assume, GIF, post and ghost. And you kind of like put your thought in a GIF and then just fucking leave. And then it usually gets the most likes. So it's... John Russin does this better than anybody. He put up something sensational ambassador, John Russin. He'll like, he gets these little bites. There's actually research on the number of characters uh, in a Facebook post, a Twitter post. It's actually in the book Everybody Writes. And uh, the author, uh, Anne, Anne Handley, I believe her name is, she actually mentions this. And so I think John must have read this shit because this is what he does. He'll put up something, it's half caps. 
you'd think is like fitness industry Donald Trump stuff, except not in that kind of realm. And then he just gets out of there. And then 250 comments later, everybody's going completely bananas in there. Just drop them. Like, and it could be like the worst statement ever. But like, what are they, they going to do if you don't say anything? It's like when you get bullied and like, well, just don't like say anything back and they'll leave you alone. Totally works. What about all this? Well, I, I used to, I, I, I should caveat and say that my following following i don't even know what that is but my audience was built based upon arguing with people online i i i would like to think that it wasn't but i i think that it's probably pretty truthful to say that i would get into internet debates and when i say arguing i i i'm not talking about throwing a lot of ad hominems around but but when i would get into to discussions online I, I would get friend requests on facebook you know i mean that would happen uh, when I would discuss things on forums when they existed, I, I would I would get you know subscriptions or people would visit my website and I would I would get signups. So I don't I do not in any way want to say that having intelligent debate online and discussing topics is not a way to grow your audience because I absolutely have experienced that myself and do believe that it is. I'm not even saying that you won't see me jump in every once in a while on a topic that I feel is in my wheelhouse which I think that is the important point. Um, because I do like a good debate, but I like a good debate that actually fosters something and gets somewhere. I, I don't like arguing for the sake of arguing. They're just, you're wrong, you know, screw you. You're, you're a terrible person. I cannot believe you're online right now. That kind of thing. That's not, I really genuinely like a debate. Like, I, I, I love a good debate class. Like it's, it's, I, I enjoy it because it makes me question things. And I, I really believe that in the right individuals it can nurture and foster learning and challenging our biases. But um, at this time, one of the reasons that I'm not very active in social media is just because I'm busy. Really, I mean, honestly, I, I unless I get, and it's funny because I'll, something will happen and I'll get tagged in things or I'll get messages and I'll be like, can you believe this? Did you see this? Did this happen? And I'm just, you know, you'll lose minutes, you'll lose hours doing that. And right now I currently don't have those hours and minutes to lose on that kind of stuff. I'm not even saying it's not relevant and it doesn't speak to things. And I also want to say that because I do not engage in things, I do believe it contributes to the fact that people forget about me. Uh, and I, I think you forget about people when you're not seeing them engaged in that aspect. You will not be seen as much or recommended as something or tagged in something or invited to something. People think that you're not working on your social media presence. It, it's, it can be, to some degree, uh, I think, both positive and negative to not interact with these kinds of things. So it's a very nuanced thing. For me right now, that's not my focus. I have other focuses and things that I'm doing. Uh, and, and, but it's not as if I don't want to claim like I'm above debating in a, in a social media post. I'm not, I, I think that there's, there's good that can come from things like that. And I, I find that articulation and being tactful in your approach to how you do these things actually says something to your brand. In my personal opinion, I, I see how people interact and I see how they articulate their words, their research, their thoughts, and it lets me know who they are. Uh, there are people that I have I have found and become friends with or colleagues with because of how they quote unquote debated online. So I don't think that I'm above it or anything like that. And I think if people want to debate and interact in that way, that's great. Right now, I'm not participating in it because it's just simply not my focus or my time or or my attention. But it it has been a part of my career, and uh, I I do think it has its place when done so intelligently. 
Lee, Lee, if I could uh, piggyback off of that, not only do I not think I'm above it, I think I'm actually below it. Um, <laughs> so like to, to be honest, to give you a window into my, my thought process, when I pass a conversation that is something I don't believe I have really valuable, unique insight into, my thought is maybe I will post, but then I go, nobody here needs my opinion on this. You know, like, you really so like, think that there. I really do think that. You really do. You really, you really think that generally speaking, you have little to contribute to something like that because you're an incredibly thoughtful and articulate person who sees things from angles most people don't. And I'm, I'm not just blowing steam. I'm getting I'm really sick not. of this, this I know. conversation. I, you I keep understand, saying these things about me and my writing, and I, I know you I know. don't mean any of them because I'm don't. a good person. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm a nice blowing. person. I know I'm really not, but but you really genuinely feel that way. You're just like I have nothing to contribute here because my voice isn't a collective. He's writing, he's writing ten thousand word articles. He no, he has no time either. Well, it, it's no, a no, combination of no. yeah, it, it's a combination of things. It's a combination of time and my preferred communication medium. Sure. And sure. do I really think they need me? In this. So if I see something going on about nitric oxide, I'm going to drop some information and then leave because like, these are my thoughts on it. If you don't buy it, that's okay. I don't need you to buy it. You know, this is my perspective on it. I'm very comfortable with people not agreeing with me. So that's why I don't really get into the back and forth stuff. I'll say, here's my thoughts. And people say, that's stupid. And I go, <laughs> okay. Um, but another thing that, that kind of prevents me from getting involved in a lot of them is like you said, the time, but also if I see an interesting conversation happening in a Facebook thread, my inclination is I'm going to read into this and write yeah, an article yeah, about it. Yeah, or yeah, that is, yeah. I'm going to read into this and Greg and I will discuss it on our podcast. Like mm -hmm. there are other mediums for me to, to discuss this if I really think I have something valuable. So it's kind of in limbo yeah. where I'm like, if I really think I have a valuable, uh, it, some valuable insight on this, I need to actually put it into a form that's going to be accessible broadly. And when people ask me about it in the future, I can link them to that podcast episode. But if, if I don't think my insight is valuable enough to warrant like content on it, then I'm probably just going to pass by because clearly I don't have that much insight on it. So I'm not saying that's how anyone should view this stuff. That's just like my natural. It's smart though. It, it's, I think Jordan said, had, had, I was listening because we were tagged in it. But like it, you own that content now. Like you don't yeah. own shit on Facebook and Instagram. Yes. And then you, like you said, you can't profit off of it on the back end, which is totally cool. Like you should, if you have a good idea and you put that stuff out, then you can post that. And now you own it and you, you own those people that come and put their email lists and everything out there. So I think that that's actually probably more productive if you're, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how you even gauge whether my argument paid off my business anymore. I don't, I don't think that that works anymore. Well, maybe it does. Yeah. Well, and like for me, I think it's like if I have something to say about that particular topic, I want to research it and then I want to frame it in a way that I, if I think that warrants a 10 minute conversation, um, then I have the ability to do that on my platform and put it, should it be an audio or writing? Should it be five minutes or 15 minutes? Should it be 300 words or 3000 words. It gives you the ability to give that topic the exact medium it deserves and the exact amount of attention and research it deserves before your final thoughts are established, if, if that makes sense. So uh, this is actually a really good point to piggyback off of that. We have a lot of people who struggle to think of things to write about and to create content about. 
everything you see on social media, every conversation with a client. Uh, I always, my iPad, I have an iPad with me when I train. I'll pop open notes and I'll say to the client, hey, that's a great idea. And then I'll just write it down. Like you just inspired something I'm going to post on social media. So they love that. There, There's ideas everywhere. And a lot of stuff, you don't have to create new things that are totally original or something that would be designed to impress someone like YouTube, for example. And I, and I hold you guys both in very high esteem in terms of your intellectual place in our industry. I think that's very apparent. Create stuff that's not meant to impress you guys. Create stuff that's meant to reach the end user that you know the person who wants to come and drop 20 pounds and train with you or get a little stronger so don't fear eric trexler's approval but notice that eric doesn't have enough time to get into your social media space and and criticize and correct something that you may have gotten sideways anyway so uh, i hope people just look for and document these little flashes of ideas that they get in their minds someone tagged you someone tagged them recently our buddy daniel brock yeah, I think you take Lee too in one of them, but Eric popped in on Facebook and, and gave him a thumbs up. So like that was, I saw you. No, that's a really important distinction, by the way. I think that actually is, is really important to note. When people tag me and stuff, I don't like ignore them. Like, like, like I said to Lee, I don't think I'm above it. I think I'm below it. And so if someone tags me and says, Eric, what do you think about this? Of course, I, like, I, I'm honestly honored that someone bothered to tag me and I'll chime in and like say some things. So like, to me, that's my invitation, Eric, your opinion is wanted here. And I'm like, cool, I can give one. But but yeah, generally speaking, I'm very comfortable just kind of letting people like, if I see somebody with um, some kind of post, and it's, you know, a quibbling over details, and it's not intended to be helpful, it's intended to dunk on people with the other perspective. And there's no real value coming from the conclusion of that, like, my natural tendency is to just go on by but like if somebody has a post or a thread and they tag me and say eric i'd like you to chime in of course i'm always happy to do that you mentioned daniel so daniel debrock is a friend of ours and lee you met him when you were here mm -hmm. presenting it Massive being. i think he's bigger than andrew and he's a big boy strong guy so I'll, I'll use daniel for anyone who doesn't know him daniel reached out to me well many months ago and asked me about writing because i was writing for teenation and so I direct him to a book and just a few pieces of philosophy to go about it. He dove into it, attacked it right away, very quickly. He's getting articles published very frequently on, I can't remember what's the name of the first website he had public, was published on. He's since submitted articles at Teen Nation. He's published there. He's published on Kabuki Strength, Chris Duffin's website. And this guy just attacked the writing process and researched it very aggressively and, and put the work in. So... You know, it, it, it came out of nowhere in the fitness space. So there's no reason why someone listening here can't, if that's something that interests you, you know, if you want to get a kickstart in writing, please send me a message. I'll, I'll give you a, a, the default advice that I've given a bunch of people who are interested to get you started. And there's some good books to, to He's funny though. be a good writer. I think we so, should note because I don't want to like make it all about, like he posted a video of him doing a one-arm push-up but he tore his oblique. And it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Because he was like, yo, like let's do body weight work. And right as it came out, it literally is second post. And he's like, I tore my oblique. Don't do it if you're Ooh. built like a, like a, like a orangutan. Like just ease your way into it. That, that was his best piece. <laughs> And have fun with yourself. All right, guys, uh, we're sort of out of time here, but I just want to thank you both for coming on. I, I hope everybody listening, uh, if, if they're not well steeped in the stuff that you guys are doing, because again, like we said, you guys tend to hide in the shadows a little bit and produce a lot of really good high level information. Uh, I hope you guys will all dig a little deeper and, and go check out what Eric is doing. Uh, go check out what Lee is doing. 
And, uh, and for both of you guys, we really appreciate you taking the time to come talk with us. And, and let's remind everybody where they can find you guys. Lee, we'll let Lee take it, take it away. Uh, you can just, um, I'm, I'm really behind the scenes right now. I'm not even, this is so not the time for me doing a podcast because I have absolutely nothing to share on anything, but uh, I'm always taking clients. I will say that there's waiting list, um, but, but you know, they're in and out these days. So um, you can find me at leepill.com. Uh, Google Lee Peel and I'm, I'm kind of on Instagram, kind of on Facebook, but you can find me there. I think your friend list is open too. I think you still have some open spots if you want to get Yeah, out. well, Ooh, I, that, that's I, not a good status symbol. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to get that filled up. <laughs> I, was just I, I, I weeded, I weeded my friends list. Um, uh, yeah, uh, quite, quite some time ago. I'm, I'm down to, I, I know or know someone who knows on my. Friends. I love that humble brag that people do in our industry. It's several people I know do. Yeah, and create some room, so therefore they post something that is pseudo uh, sensational yeah. or, or contentious. Well, send her a private message and like list your resume so that Lee can like accept you. Cause yeah. she's very- I'm actually, I'm in, I'm incredibly accept. Like I do not, I, I'm, I'm massively modest with that. I, I, I just want to make sure you're, what I weeded was people that I'm not entirely sure are real. So, you know, I weeded unreal people and I have, I have, yes, I do have friend slots open. Um, as long as you're real, and you're just a normal person who wants to interact, I'm fine with you adding me on Facebook. So if you're listening and you're not real, you yeah. shouldn't send that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Bot. You're a bot. Yeah, <laughs> would you guys even believe that I also have open spaces on my friends yeah. list? I know, it's crazy. Like, we need more popular guests here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> have have some standards. That hurts. So people are adding you in the hopes, hey, can you introduce me to Greg Knuckles? You probably get a lot of that, don't you? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, that, wow. Was mean. that was mean. That was chirping of the whole time. So I had to have a little fun with him. No, oh, it's not mean at all. Greg, Greg oh, is awesome. Eric, Eric, you are also someone who not everybody gets this, but you've done solo episodes on our podcast. So guess what? We actually wanted to talk to you too. So. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> and by the way, anyone who's listening, if they want to reach out to me, uh, I'm most active on Instagram. My handle's at Trexler Fitness. Um, you can find me at strongerbyscience.com. I know it sounds based on this conversation like I don't want to interact with you, but I actually <laughs> do. Um, like I said many times, I think I'm below interaction, not above it. So if you want to interact with me, of course, I'd, I'd be happy to chat with you. Um, that's the constant battle of any introvert is that we love people, but we are not going to reach out and force interaction upon people. But seriously, if you want to interact with me on the internet, send me a message. I'm very friendly. And I, and I do love talking to people. If you have fitness questions, I answer them quite liberally. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not a mean checks. curmudgeon. Physique checks? It's a trap. No, not physique checks. <laughs> no physique checks. Okay. Just, <laughs> just do not, do not reach out for those. Okay. okay. Um, but but yeah, um, and, and like I said, the, probably the most important message I like to convey anywhere I go right now is uh, people in the fitness industry, stay strong. I know it's a tough time for a lot of people. Um, and if you are fortunate and not going through a really brutally tough time, I know everyone's got their own uh, challenges right now. Please remember to be empathetic. And now more than ever, you know, it was always that cliche. You never know what somebody's going through. Right now, you have no idea what somebody's going through. So try to keep that in mind when you're interacting, whether it's in person, on the internet, and be a little bit more kind in those Facebook arguments. 
That would be my message. Can you please title this episode Eric Trexler, the hero we need? Can, can we, just... <laughs> we just did Batman, though. I mean, especially when he ended it like that. So. In that photo, you would you be the, the, the what's his name? Um, Harvey Dent with the light? Or no, who's, who, who's his dude? Who's the dude with the light that shines the bat light? You guys know I've never seen any movies, right? We've talked about that. <laughs> You're the worst. You don't know anything about movies. <laughs> no one knows who this guy. <laughs> I I don't. I'm, I haven't seen the Batman movie since Keaton. Yeah, but you no. quoted the Batman movie and you didn't know anything about it. This is like the worst the guy who shines the light. <laughs> I, I, I that. See, this is why you don't talk because people attack you. Yeah, you exactly. Know, you, you you think you're speaking just a simple statement. This whole podcast came full circle right well, I, here. I think you I know just said a Batman quote. You don't even watch Batman. Don't say anything at all. That's it. I'm not doing podcasts anymore. This is my last one. Andrew, you better close it up because like we're done. Like we're obviously in a real fight right now. Thanks for everybody who's been staying uh, attuned to these podcasts. Uh, I really do hope they've been helpful to you guys. Uh, like I've been saying a lot recently, please reach out to us and message us if you want to chat about anything. Uh, you know, if you're struggling or uh, just in, any positive feedback, or if you want to tell us how terrible we, we are, if you've made it to the end of this episode and you think that this is the shittiest podcast you've ever listened to, I, 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 I feel that you this is how you spend your time but in all honesty though I, we seriously we'd love to hear from you guys and we never ask for these but uh you know give us a five-star review on itunes those are actually pretty helpful too hey, ask for those after they already turn it off for this like for two minutes of us bitching about stuff but anyway it was a bad one you made it right to the end so anyway thank you guys so much and uh, eric and lee thanks for being here thank you thank you shut up and sit down, down. down. down.